cheese? Samples, of course, because I'm here at the Nicker factory and therefore would be bringing material samples or some such like, but also cheese. Sandwiches, which are for me to eat. So if you open the case, does it emit like a blinding light from all fiction? No. <laughs> I'll tell him that you call back. Yeah. I'll see ya. Royale with cheese. The talk of the street. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 150 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that doesn't know why I'm speaking so slowly right now, because we've got an extra hour, roughly 44 minutes of extra content when you take out commercial breaks. I've got to cover this week. I'm Gavin. And I think you're talking slowly because you have the COVID. <laughs> I do not have the COVID, you. <laughs> I did get my my jag this week, though. Jab. It's Oh, no. Is your arm still sore? Is it's it better? better? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Two days though, I basically feeling like someone had continually been punching a little knuckle punch mm-hmm. in the arm. It wasn't pleasant. Apparently the trick is to drink a lot of water oh, beforehand. Really? Beforehand? Yeah. yeah, and after. And, uh, you know, and then afterwards, you know, take Tylenol and drink Pedialyte and all this other stuff. Um but you're not supposed to take Tylenol or ibuprofen or anything beforehand because it can affect how it works. Hmm. So that's why I was in a lot of pain beforehand because I didn't take any ibuprofen or anything for two days. And I was like, oh. You feel it. <laughs> Although there do seem to be different. Whatever brand you get yeah, has different effects. This is going to be something that people, I think, in years to come, It'll be interesting. What brand were you? Oh, I was Johnson & Johnson. Ooh. Oh, I was, <laughs> I was AstraZeneca and even I was feeling a little bit. I was Moderna. Yes. I'm Team Moderna like you. Yes. So. We're all House Moderna in this house. <laughs> Are we really? Yeah. The kids might, you know, once they eventually open it up to people under 16, the 12 to 16 year olds, the kids might be House Pfizer because I think Pfizer's the only one who's really tested it on kids. Right. But uh, for right now, we are all House Moderna. All three adults in this house have gotten their first dose. <sighs> it's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah. I was sitting in the waiting room and the um, the lady was helping people who didn't have smartphones arrange their follow-up. Mm-hmm. And when I went in, she said to me, is this your, is this your first or your second? Mm-hmm. And I said, it's my first. In fact, I think I just said first. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, you're Scottish. <laughs> you're like, you're right, I am. Yep, gave it away with one word. First. First. Apparently that's a particularly Scottish thing to say. Or how I say it. First. 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 Source code. Source code. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years later. Still funny. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Ten years of summer. Holy crap. Well, I 
don't know. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Eh. <laughs> I'm all right. You know, it's just... Uh, all right. Mm. Life is what it is. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Not much happened this week. No. It's been very cold. Yeah. We were 80 degrees a couple of weeks ago. I'm yeah. thinking, okay, not only has spring started, it kind of feels like summer started a little bit. Yeah. I kind of... I kind of snowing this week. I kind of blame myself because um, last weekend I, un- I uncovered my plant beds. So, and we had our lawn rolled yep. because we're fancy. <laughs> Never had my lawn rolled before. And, uh... You notice it? Yeah, I think I do. It seems like it 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 sprang back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I do. I think I'm just saying that I do. <laughs> but I think that I do. Because you paid a guy. Right. A, a guy convinced me that dragging a big... Roller over your lawn. A big metal cylinder over my lawn was worth 40 bucks. Sure. Okay. I'm just I'm just trying to think what happened this week. It's Benny and I have been binge watching the old X Men cartoons, and that's hilarious and fun because we keep seeing all these things that are now internet memes. Oh really? You know, I get like, that every week with SpongeBob. <laughs> like with Sad Wolverine. You know, oh. the Sad Wolverine meme. <laughs> yeah. I, recognize the theme tune yeah i kind of mistake it for the spider-man theme tune yeah i think they're similar Mm -hmm. i was watching uh the old 80s spider-man and his amazing friends for a while because that's just you know that's my childhood all wrapped up in in one but just some of the (laughs) some of the stuff is just it's kind of tough to watch now because what you didn't see is kind of you know, just inbred misogyny. In a cartoon? In a cartoon. Oh, wow. You know, just the way, you know, Aunt May is always kind of problematic, isn't she? Is she? I don't know. I mean, she's like this old doddering fool who can't recognize the fact that her her nephew is, is Spider-Man, even though they have the same voice. Isn't that meant to be funny? I thought it was meant to be funny. <laughs> of course, now she's hot because she's, uh, what's her name? It's not Reese Reese Witherspoon. It's the other one, isn't it? Yeah. Marissa Tomei. Oh, that wasn't who I was thinking of at all. No, I don't know who you were thinking of. I think I was just thinking of Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> Reese Witherspoon, one of the few people who is not yet in the MCU. Julia Louis Dreyfus is now in the MCU. She I showed to up. Think about MCU is, but sure. She showed up in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Last yesterday, it was quite exciting to see her with like a streak of purple hair. She's like Lady Hydra or something. Or eventually, so I know you don't care. I really don't. You like Julia Louis Dreyfus? You liked her in Veep? We really enjoyed Veep, except for maybe the last season. <laughs> <laughs> she was really great. She was, she was great in this thing. You loved in this thing. Well, apart from the end of it, was kind of shit. Right, but like the. That's like saying that you don't like Game of Thrones just because the last season was crap. No, we liked but, Game of Thrones. It's but it's like season. saying you can't 
dislike Ed Sheeran because Ed Sheeran was in Game of Thrones? No, because... Because you're saying I should like this MCU thing. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that you should like this MCU thing. I'm just saying that I know that you like Julia Louis-Dreyfus because she's funny and she's a good actress. And remember, we enjoyed watching her in Veep. I am not suggesting at all that you would like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I only kind oh, of, I should watch it. No, right, okay. I only kind of borderline like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There's just, it's not as good as WandaVision. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Not as good as WandaVision. Looking forward to Loki. Because you, and I was going to say. So you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again because <laughs> you, you do, do this all like the time. You do like Tom Middleston. I know. I don't like Marvel though. I know. I know. And that's what the overarching thing is. Right. Yeah. But you do like Tom Hiddleston. I don't expect you to watch Loki either. I'm just pointing out the fact that you like Tom Hiddleston. You think he's hot. I would. <laughs> hey, Gav. Yeah. What is it, Timbo? I am dying to throw some serious shapes here. Are you working on any new banging Karee beats? Yeah, there's a bit in, um, in the classic Corey recently where uh, Deirdre was in Venezuela quite a bit. I'm trying to do the Colombian national anthem to our uh, acid house beat while Deirdre says Venezuela over and over again. Why it's a work in progress. Why is it Colombian when Colombia and the... Venezuela are two different countries? Well, yeah. Well, one, that's a joke, and two, the Colombian national anthem is a bit more interesting than the Venezuelan one. It, it makes you feel, it makes you seem like an ugly American who thinks all South America is just <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Which it's not. Well, sure. Well, I've listened to both national anthems this week, <laughs> have you? <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Uh, yes, please. Give us some of that. Marvelous. Corey News. South American cold news. <laughs> Mazel tov to Alexandra Mardell. What? While her character Emma in the show is consistently unlucky in love, the star announced her engagement this week to boyfriend Joe Parker. Oh, that's lovely. the best for both of them. Congratulations to all. Yes. Yes. New casting alert. Oh. Former Emmerdale and Hollyoaks cast member Paul Opasic yep. has hopped aboard the Coronation Street team to play ITV Corey's dad, ITV Stefan. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's not even been on yet. We've got a nickname for him. <laughs> that works. Yeah, he was uh, Stephen Marchant in, uh, in Emmerdale. He's just went out of it in the classic Emmerdale timeline at the moment really interesting how these timelines both in Emmerdale and Corey they're really interesting stories that are happening just now in both but they're kind of bleeding into modern day hmm. soap I wonder why they didn't get Steve Merchant to play Steve Merchant <laughs> would have been a different see, show wouldn't it you don't ever see his shoulders <laughs> his head would be out of shot alright alright my lover I love Steve Merchant yeah, it's great Anyway, um, also somebody who's been in the MCU, by the way, but that's, that's okay. Finally, we're happy to report our beloved Maureen Lipman has returned to filming. Sadly, her partner died of COVID in January, so she has been in mourning and didn't want to return to the show until she was fully vaccinated. Very oh. sensible of her, and we can't wait to see her box Tyrone's ears a few times in this horrendous storyline. <laughs> really? Uh, oh, that's that's 
Yeah. Apparently he was already in a um, care home because he had Parkinson's disease. Um, And then he caught COVID and that's all she wrote, unfortunately. It's very sad. That's two matriarchs of the show who have lost their partner in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. So we shame. Yeah, really tough. Yeah. Oh, my heart goes out there. Me too. She's fabulous, and she should only be wrapped in joy for the rest of her life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Our mailbag, Lily Savage, not that Lily Savage. Go <laughs> <coughs> in touch on Twitter say, guys, I followed you without listening to the show first, and that's my bad, because I've listened to the last five or six over the last few days, and loving it. I recommend it to all ITV Corey fans. Thank you so much for that. Woo-hoo! Really appreciate that. Yes. And then Scott got in touch to say... Up to, with the drag queens. Right, to, to clarify, Squirrel Parks. Formby apparently is a nature reserve full of wild sand dunes and is one of the last places in England where native red squirrels are still found. A beautiful place to visit, says Scott. Still sounds a bit like our yard, though. <laughs> How bad does your country have to be where there's only one place in it where the red squirrels are? Well, the grey squirrels eat them all. I think that's what happened. <laughs> or maybe the grey squirrels eat all the food so that there's no food left for the red squirrels because squirrels are not carnivorous. So not, like, not like my version better. <laughs> and now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight. We meet John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about senior coming. This is uh, Ken and Claudia and the Shady Acres, yes? That's right. This was Steve trying to get legal representation because of Leanne wanting to get custody of Oliver. Leanne has Imran, so we'd get mates rates, but Steve would get senior coming rates. I was Gavin and you didn't do an intro. I kind of threw you off a bit with a mention of Seamless Head Swap. Hello, Addy 2.0. Oh, uh, yeah. I just discovered Taskmaster. What a year it's been. So rewarding. We were expecting our first shipped delivery that morning. Yeah, that really describes 2020. <laughs> rewarding. <laughs> the revolving door on Chesney's house is put to good use again as Benny comes back. Didn't she leave last week? We couldn't remember. Yeah. Liz takes a leaf from Kate's playbook and pisses all over Gemma's confidentiality by busting into Dr. Gadassi's office unannounced. The fallout from last week's protest has some unexpected consequences as Arthur reveals a history of civil dis- disobedience and a bit of work falls into Imran's lap that Toya is not happy about than a bit of Toya falls into Imran's lap that he's very happy about. <laughs> it's fencing week at Shady Acres, meaning a clash, clash of egos and hairspray as Ken faces off with Charles while Norris comes across some very interesting details on the running of the retirement community. Someone from Johnny's past scares him off and then back onto the lavvy and makes him want to run to France. That was a year ago. Ugh. Welcome aboard, Scott. Ash's latest example of bad decision making goes viral and the inexplicably named Pastel Blue makes an unwelcome return. Cerberus has an a hydrotherapy appointment, but due to financial constraints will be thrown in the canal in future. <laughs> Cathy has pitter-breaded ears. Oliver loves Steve. Our moment of the week was Peter, the limey seaman, coming home and chatting about Tracy's tapes after the teen party. Remember the teen party? I remember. And our boring moment of the week was Ken, Claudia, Norris and Frida staring at sandwiches. And that was Coronation <laughs> Street and the talk of the street this time last get, year. 
boring moments of the week like that anymore. <sighs> Remember the good old days when you could rely on the boring moment of the week to be really good? Yes. <laughs> Shall we dive in with you? Yes, please. Oh, now we've got a lot to get through. Yes, we do. Let's just power through. Power through. Our first storyline is Team Simon, which already seems like it happened last <sighs> year. On Monday, Imran and Toya are around seeing Leanne, checking to see if she's still leaving, which she is, and if she's going to tell Nick, which she isn't. Nick has a new life, Leanne says, and the less that he knows about any of this, the better. Hmm. Outside, death has been released without charge. <laughs> and he, he keeps patting his face <laughs> and acting like it was the most horrible experience of his life. Right. And he's so shook. So shook. He's explaining to, uh, his excitement to Nick, who <coughs> isn't all that interested until Dev mentions that Simon was lifted too. And then a passing Imran is quickly accosted, and although Imran can't say much other than it's complicated, he does reveal that Harvey isn't Leanne's new squeeze, and that Nick should really speak with Leanne sooner rather than later. Yeah. And it would seem that Peter's text from another storyline... Shit. So in another storyline, Peter's got a text from Tracy telling him about Simon getting lifted. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how Tracy knew about that, though. It was weird, like... People knew, I guess maybe because people saw, people were out, just happened to be outside at the right time. Right. <coughs> That's what I'm assuming. Anyway, Peter goes round to read the riot act, but Simon isn't entertaining it. Peter has been no kind of parent to him during all this, and it comes out that Carla had lied to Peter about Simon failing his coursework a few years ago, a few years ago, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. when it was really the whole drugs mule thing. Peter notices the suitcases and has a cheek to tell Simon and Leanne that they can't run away from things. That's what Portsmouth is for, Peter. Mm-hmm. It's just a holiday, says Leanne. Just go, says Simon. And later, Carl's... Yeah, Simon really lays into Peter. Right, and it's rightfully really nice. so. Yes. Later, Carla's in the factory all smells it reminds because... Reminds me of something that, oh, something that happened this week, that happened yesterday, that I will tell you about later. <laughs> okay, I look forward to that. <laughs> later, Carla's in the factory all smiles because she's quitting. She chats with Nick about Simon and mentions mm-hmm. about Leanne going away, which again is news to Nick. Carla tries to quit, but Nick runs off to speak with Toya, who tells him that Leanne's at the cop shop, and Nick demands to know what is going on. All right. Nick goes to the flat and sees that Leanne is leaving without saying goodbye. Toya's told him everything. Nick doesn't care about the risk. He cares that he nearly lost her, and she breaks down, and they finally start talking honestly. She apologises for pushing him away. She still loves him and he loves her. And he always will. Aww. But she says, it's too late. Aww. He wants to go with, but with, uh, but from her expression, he gets that it'll be a more permanent move. She can't make him leave his son. So this is goodbye, she says. Come back as soon as you can, he says. Don't wait for me, she says. It's all kind of heartbreaking as he leaves, but unbeknownst to either of them, Simon has overheard this and has sneaked out to kill Sam and <laughs> Natasha. That's what it looked like. Because he was kind of hiding around the corner yeah. listening to this. And then, he was very sad. And then seemed to leave. No, he seemed to just go back into his room and shut the door. Or was it? Yes. Maybe I'm just projecting. Yes. Nick has called a plat meeting at the factory to fill them both in on the Leanne situation. But not like that. David thinks that he's well read, but Sarah knows Nick loves her. Leanne <laughs> or Sam, Sam or Leanne, Nick is conflicted. Mm. He's conflicted. He's connected, yeah. <laughs> At the bistro, Natasha and Sam are contemplating the menu. <laughs> Natasha has heard about Simon and thinks this is fucking typical Leanne. Nick takes offence at this. I didn't yeah, mean anything. Did, this, did that 
just seemed kind of out of left field for Natasha to just go on the attack about Leanne. For a character who, since really she came back... Has been nothing but sunshine and light. And fairly neutral. Yeah. She hasn't got involved in any of this. Right. All she cares about is a wee boy. Right. And a wee boy not getting fucked over. Right. Other people, like Gail, Leanne... Right. Oliver even, she is... She's playing it with a straight bat. Right. She's not getting involved. Right. Then all of a sudden... (laughs) Fucking Leanne. I didn't mean anything from the nasty thing I just said, says Natasha. And then she and Sam have some banter about Samsonite suitcases and Nick looks like he's thinking, get me the fuck away from this pair. <laughs> Leanne and Simon are saying their goodbyes to just Toya when a breathless <laughs> Nick runs up to them. You've got to give me five minutes to pack. I'm coming with you, says. I can't live without her. He's loved her for 23 years. What about Sam? Sam will be fine, says Nick with a shrug. You're my lobster, he says. Oh. I mean, and he's not wrong. I mean, Sam has lived most of his life without him. So... Is he right? <laughs> the speed at which this this shift has occurred yeah. is blinking you miss it. Mm-hmm. You could conceivably have missed 20 minutes of Monday's Corey mm-hmm. and thought, what on earth has happened to make Nick take this sudden change of heart? I think he always wanted to go. I think he always wanted to go. And I don't think it it means that he loves Sam any less. I think he's just realized that Leanne needs him more. And that Sam, you know, he sees, you know, Natasha and Sam do this whole Samsonite song and dance. This nickname that she's just suddenly given him Mm -hmm. that she's never used before. Nope. You know, and him saying, I'm not a piece of luggage. Well, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. You know, and and I think he's right. I think Leanne and Simon do need him more right now. I think he feels bad because he kind of was distracted and pushed them away during this the whole Sam thing and stuff. So he's trying to make amends. And he's doing a better job of it than Peter, let's be honest. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that. Hi, Peter. At number eight, Natasha and Sam aren't taking the news that Nick is fucking off with Leanne very well. Well, Natasha's not taking the news very well. Sam seems to... Sam seems very understanding. I thought he seemed very disappointed and was just trying to hide it. You'll call me though, right? Says Sam. Maybe, says Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Think of me as being on a spy mission, he says. Mm, Incognito, says Sam. Right, and Sam kind of gets that, and that seems kind of exciting to him. They arrange to watch a meter shower together from wherever they are in the world. Nick tells Sam that he loves him, and Sam loves him back, and then runs up the stairs. I can't believe this shite, says Natasha. This is exactly what I was talking about a few months ago. Just fuck off with you. Only it's not, really, because this is... (laughs) You know, this is is, is a little different. This is my significant other is needs to go into hiding and I kind of need to go into hiding too. And actually this is better for Natasha and Sam as well, because as we mentioned last week, the people after Leanne and Simon know that Nick is attached to them, have no idea that whether what Nick knows, but if they can't find Leanne and Simon, they're going to go after people that know them and are attached to them. And that would be Nick. And 
by association, that would be also Natasha and Sam. So if we get Nick out of the picture, that protects Natasha and Sam as mm-hmm. well. <coughs> On the street, Nick says goodbye to David and Sarah and gives a wave to Sam and Gail's window. And then they all jump into Nick's shitty Rover 75 and trundle their way uneasily off Coronation Street. I just want, was waiting for that car to backfire as I turned the corner. <laughs> because Leanne had the opportunity to, to go off in a nice car. I think it was a Merc, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was just like a ride to the train station or Still something. better. Still a five-minute ride right. in that car would have been better than a four-hour ride in the Rover 75. And Nick does not tell his mother. <laughs> no. He leaves it to David to tell his mother. On Wednesday, aye, 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 aye. Natasha, who doesn't work at the factory, is now at the factory not looking for Nick, but looking for Gail Flintstone. She has a thing on and wonders if uh, Gail could look after Sam, and Gail is delighted to do so. Natasha doesn't want Gail to pay for Nick's mistakes. Have I missed a ton of stuff out here? I think I might have. You have, because you, you've, you've missed the part where David and Sarah do tell Gail, and Gail is very upset, and she thinks this means that she's lost Sam as well. Right. Where have I put that then? I don't know. I, I think I've written it down. It's probably in the Peter storyline. You have the COVID. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a. You know, we're saying it's this, a rare symptom of the COVID to misplace brain paragraphs. fog. Yes, brain fog is. Uh, you know, we're kidding. We're kidding. It's not going to be very funny though if later on today you just for laughs go get tested it turns out you really do have the covid i don't have the covid you may have the covid i've missed something out (laughs) should i look for it no yeah later when natasha goes round to number eight sam has alienated himself from max by going on about climate change to him (laughs) natasha's ready to leave but gail and sam beg for some more time Sam hasn't been fully uh, condescending to an older child yet, plus Gail's made a cake. She and Natasha bond chatting about family and country music. Gail telling Natasha that she and Sam are part of the family now and it's permanent. Natasha appreciates it, but is regretful that Nick doesn't feel the same. So Sam and Gail arrange to meet Nick's Which Wednesday. I don't think is necessarily true that Nick doesn't feel the same. You know, Nick deciding to go off with Leanne does not mean that he doesn't feel like Natasha and Sam are part of the family. Well, maybe Natasha shouldn't have said that nasty thing about Leanne then. Yeah. So Natasha isn't sure about all this letting Nick off the hook with she and Gail picking up the slack. Gail is sure Nick will make this all right, but Natasha's worried that he's running out of time to do that. And that's as far as we get with that this week. I don't think anything that's happened in the Natasha and Sam part of it is what I expected to happen. Mm. So that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, we never got to that, oh, well, actually, she's stealing money from you, or she's lying about Sam being yours, or... Mm-hmm. We expected something like that to happen. <laughs> right. And it never did. Nope. So this actually kind of makes the storyline a bit more interesting, because something has finally happened in it. Yeah, but... Besides them just going out for meals, and Sam being precocious, and young Sheldon-like. Because it feels a bit nothing burger now, doesn't it? Eh. I don't know. I don't know. The whole Nick running away thing just doesn't seem like it's serving the storyline very well. I like it. I'm all for it. Do you think this is going to be a longer term thing or is it just a case of giving Jane dancing some time off? Yeah, I mean, it gives them a break. It gets them off the show for a little while. Because... And and it allows other characters to have some breathing room because let's face it, the past year, 
they really could have renamed the show the Leanne show because Leanne has been part just of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Two major storylines mm-hmm. back to back. Back to back has just been. I mean, and it's been good. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's not really left much room for other characters and other storylines to really breathe, especially since they have to be careful about how many people are on set mm-hmm. at a given time and everything else. So I'm. I'm ha- I'm I'm happy this has happened. <laughs> you know, and I I like the idea of of Gail being given a chance to kind of be the, the, a real grandmother to to Sam and for her and Natasha to bond a little bit cuz Natasha se- has seemed to kind of be floating in the wind a little bit and not really connected to anyone except for mm-hmm. except for Nick and that hasn't really and Sam gets to hang out with his cousins. Yeah, it's nice. I think there's a historically something that tends to happen on the back of a big storyline is that the characters in that storyline disappear for a while. Right. This way, I guess, having them officially leave, mm-hmm. no one has to wonder where they are. Right. We've, yeah. We've kind of accounted for it. Or have they're just, off show at the moment. Or just have like a random phone call, a random throwaway right. line about dad being in Southampton, mm-hmm. like we have in another storyline. Those eyes are rolling like nothing on earth. Let me pick them up and roll them back to you. You know, it would be nice, considering that this has not happened yet this whole year. It would be nice if they just said, Ken Barlow has the COVID and is in hospital. Delt. 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 It's it's unrealistic that nobody on the street has caught the COVID yet. Right. I think, do you think there's maybe a bit of tempting fate in that though? Well, it's not really tempting fate if he's already got, he's it. Already got it in real life. <laughs> but that was like three months past and stuff. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, our next storyline this morning is Todd the Prick. On Monday... At the funeral home, Todd is impressing by doing extra paperwork for The Undertaker. Todd he's also impressing? starts to... Mm-hmm, he's impressing. He's impressing people. Okay. Todd's also starting to manipulate The Undertaker by telling him that Eileen thinks that he's classy and dignified. Right, because those are words that his mother uses. Mm-hmm. Billy goes round to see Todd and to get his teeth into Eileen's quiche. But not like that. Haha, <laughs> that's what you get for taking a drink. <laughs> Todd tells his mum that the Undertaker can't stop talking about her and Billy immediately sees through this. Something's going on. Todd admits that by getting the Undertaker and his mum together will be enough of a distraction to let Todd get more involved in the business and get that cowboy funeral thing off the ground. Billy is appalled, but in a homosexual way. Later, Eileen who doesn't... What does that even mean? Well, he's appalled, but he's not really appalled, you know. Mm. Later, Eileen who doesn't work at the funeral home turns up at the funeral home and Todd contrives a conversation about dinner which leads to Eileen inviting the Undertaker (laughs) over for some of her pie. But not like that. And they arrange to meet in the Rovers for pre-pie drinks. See, I don't have COVID. I managed to say pre-pie drinks. Fine. (laughs) Mary gets home and is flabbergasted by the size of Eileen's pie. But not like that. She explains that the Undertaker is coming around and there's some to and fro where it seems that Mary is still sore about the whole thing but Mary's a good soul and she's made her peace with all that. So Eileen meets up with Undertaker in the pub, and all is going well until Eileen sees a card and the flowers that he's got her. R.I.P. Mildred. 
Eileen's name's not Mildred. No. And, and nor she's... is she dead. <laughs> so she's furious. And she tells the undertaker that he's mental because he works with dead people and tells Todd <laughs> to stick his matchmaking up his arse. Right. Up, up his, his arse. arse. I haven't done that in a while. I love that she, she sees through her son Why so does well. Billy not? Billy sees... Because Todd Billy, manipulating and doesn't put two and two together. Because Billy is thinking with his penis. No pie for yous, she shouts. And she storms out. And, that's and all absolutely that like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that happens in that storyline this week. Hmm. It's still going to happen though, isn't it? Well, yeah. Although we've, we've thought that before where the Undertaker's concerned well, that you think, oh, well, he's going to be getting together with Mary or he's going to be getting together with Eileen. He's going to get together with Eileen. Wasn't there somebody else that he was perhaps getting together Gail, with? His cousin. Oh, God, it was Gail. That's it was right. Gail. Mm-hmm. His cousin. My, like, second cousin. Second cousins. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's like it's all legal. these. It's like all these uh, Americans appalled because uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip were, like, third cousins. It's like, first of all, you guys really didn't know that about royalty in, mm-hmm. in Europe? Right. <laughs> and second of all... You know, it's third cousins. It's fine. <laughs> We're all related if you go back far enough. Right? That's right. Talking of being related. <laughs> it's time for Tim's mum about the house. Yay! With special guest. <laughs> With special guest, Kathy. <laughs> yeah, this is really Kathy's storyline. <laughs> On Monday, a forlorn Kathy goes into Roy's roles. This continues to get shittier for her. The messages are c- coming in, and to make matters worse, now Alex's mum has caught wind of this. She wants him up with her in Scotland. I love how we're never any more specific than that. <laughs> oh, no, I think we are at one point. Is it, is it Inverness or something? I don't know. It's generic Scotland. Right, yeah. Which it has always been. Remember when Peter went to that rehab facility? In Scotland. In Scotland. Mm-hmm. And when uh, Daniel was running away with Bertie that he went to Scotland. Scotland. Except he didn't really. <clears throat> Amy, of course, is in the cafe and overhears this, but nothing seems to happen with that. Because mm. I thought, oh, again, here's Amy in the in the cafe. Well, she does. She No, she tells Steve. Oh, I guess. Right. Steve seems to be tap dancing his way to a bicycle. Yeah, he's got these He's got these really expensive clipper shoes for his really expensive bike. Oh. Uh, oh. No, surely not. That and was, then later that was... on in a different storyline, Tracy decides to whip out her credit card and buy a really expensive top online while waiting for a Zoom meeting. They are totally dipping their hand in. This has been done quite nicely then because it is almost, it's surreptitious, I think is the word. Is surreptitious the word? Yes, it was surreptitious, but it's becoming more and more obvious as we go along, I think. Anyway, Amy's found out why Nessa wants Alex home and shows Steve some messages that he's been receiving. The Weather Gazette comments, comment section appears to be more poisonous than YouTube. <laughs> Steve goes to see Dave. Or Reddit. And after some more banter where Dev reveals that he was lifted and released last night, 
Steve asked him to stop selling newspapers and cards. He's hating all this nastiness. Cathy isn't a bad person. She doesn't even swear. And that's enough to convince Dev. Then Gemma goes back to the cabin to see Cathy. She's remembered her character and her backstory and apologises for being such a bitch to Cathy last week. She's team Cathy from now on. And so's Bernie. And for what it's worth, they have her back. Yay! And then Steve comes in to explain about Dev's stopping the papers thing. He doesn't want Oliver's death to be attached to pettiness and nastiness. He wants this whole mess put behind him. And Brian and Cathy are speechless. Cathy goes on to delete her social media and says that Steve might have forgiven, but the internet's hasn't. No, and neither is Tracy. No. Uh, Tracy's like a dog with a bone. On Tuesday, Cathy is 60. Yay! She meets Brian in Roy's roles. He's got her earrings. She didn't want a fuss, but Brian says Roy already knew and he's unlikely to do cartwheels in his underpants. <laughs> Roy agrees that this is an improbable scenario. However, I would like to see it. <laughs> but Cathy isn't much in the mood to celebrate. And I would say Cathy is greeted by Yasmin, who has a present for her later, but not like that. And then she meets Tracy, who thinks the only present befitting a troll is a bridge. And she warns Cathy that this is going to get a whole lot worse before it gets a whole lot better. Yeah, why does she keep doing this? It's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Right. And just, you know, just let it go at this point, especially since you're so concerned about something happening in another storyline. Mm-hmm. Tracy was just a right cow right. all week long mm-hmm. until Friday. A passing Carla tells Tracy to wind her neck in, but it falls on deaf ears. And later, Bernie's in the cabin and Brian reveals how worried he is about Kathy after her latest run in with Tracy, who he calls a puff adder in slingbacks. <laughs> <laughs> now Cathy doesn't even want to go for a meal at Speeddal Bernie promises to round up a bunch of Cathy's pals to make it more of a turnout So that's nice isn't it Helen? It is nice But it's not nice On the way back Cathy gets a call from Dev telling her to take a break from the kebab shop until all this blows over Because whoever's working at the kebab shop now has been mistaken for Cathy Yes And is getting some uh, some it's, vitriol it's thrown at them as well Tall Jim or whatever his name is Tall Matt. Tall Matt. Only it's not Tall Matt. It'd a tall Matt didn't get mistaken for Cathy. It would be funny. A tall man getting mistaken be, for a it, short woman. It would be funny if he was. That would be hilarious. I would like to see it. So I miss Tall Matt. And what happened they, to him? And when they get back to the cabin, they find that there's a box there, and inside is a funeral wreath. Is the head. Of Gwyneth Paltrow. Of Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes! And John What's Doe the box? has the upper what's hand. What's in the box? That must have cost a bit, observes Bernie, who takes a moment <laughs> to realise what's happening. This is a death threat, says Brian. Cathy doesn't want to go at the police because she'd have to admit what she did. Plus she knows who did this. Tracy Flaming MacDonald. She owns a flower shop and she knew what to get Cathy for her birthday. Mm-hmm. So she goes round to Tracy's and accuses her and Tracy does not react well to this. Steve pops his head out to see what the commotion is and wishes Cathy a very happy birthday. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Steve, says Cathy. In the yes. middle of a ma- of an argument. I right, it was yes. Cathy says that she's suffered enough, but Tracy disagrees and continues to upset Cathy, who eventually wanders away. Right. See, this doesn't make any sense that Tracy doesn't think that Cathy has suffered enough. She doesn't think she's suffered enough because she knows she's guilty of what Cathy accused her of. But if you were guilty of that, would you not... Would it not be in your best interest just to let this kind of just die off? Not if you're Tracy. Because you're keeping you're keeping light and heat on this by maintaining this vendetta against Kathy. Yeah, because if you keep the vendetta against Kathy, then it doesn't slow down and start to turn back towards you. Mm. There is a kind of she protests too much though 
that is definitely starting to happen. Yeah. I'm kind of come around to this. I think you've you've convinced me. Mm. Which means it definitely isn't happening. <laughs> right, so Cathy wanders away. Steve pleads for some civility for Peter's sake in another storyline. Yes. Later, Cathy's been trying to get some rest, but she can't stop thinking about uh, everything that's going on. She wants to go for a walk, but even that is tainted when Bernie warns her that whoever sent the wreath knows where she works. But Cathy won't be talked out of it, and off she goes. And when she gets back, she's got more texts and more emails, and any hope that we had that the wreath was an unfortunate coincidence goes out of the window. Hope you enjoyed your wreath and that you rot in hell, says one of the messages. Brian suggests getting a new phone and email, but what's the use of that? They'll find her. Cathy thinks all this is hopeless. It would help if she got a new, if she just closed that email address down. Of course it would. And I mean, she's already, she's already shut off her social media. Mm-hmm. She went completely off. And got like one of those scrub my tweets or whatever apps on her phone or something. Oh, scrub my tweets. Or delete my tweets. Is it delete my tweets? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know this was a thing until... Two seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Wednesday, Brian is in Roy's Rolls complaining to Bernie about the Cathy situation. He longs for the days of poison pen letters that required a bit of thought and planning. These Muppets can just spew the vitriol willy-nilly. Bernie thinks this is even worse than what Cathy did, threatening a poor woman in their own home. It's fucking outrageous, and this gets Brian wound up enough to get on his phone and do something he should have done a long time ago. Hmm. Dump Cathy. No! Oh, no. no. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How very dare you? Their no. relationship is a rock. I, I actually feel... I feel like kind of Kathy's my mum a wee bit. Because this, this is totally something my, my mum would have done. <laughs> if she had the, the, the savvy to be involved in social media and was still alive. <clears throat> but no, he doesn't dump Kathy. He phones the police and at the cabin, the next best thing arrives. PC Tinker. Ugh. Brian explains about the trolling and the wreath and the lack of business and PC Tinker does not have a single fuck to give about any of this. He really doesn't. It's he fucking ridiculous. Doesn't take any details. Doesn't offer any advice. Just leaves. It's almost like Max has complained to something <laughs> of this. Right. And he says something about the fact that because unless there's a death threat, he can't, they can't, police can't do anything about it. But that funeral wreath was absolutely a death threat. Right. And also... They they have property damage. Somebody threw a brick through the window. Mm-hmm. That's property damage. That vandalism. That's against the law. What is fucking wrong with Craig? It's because he's a closeted homosexual, isn't it? Unfucking believable, <laughs> says Gemma. And she goes round to complain about the filth to burn at Roy's Rolls, and in doing so discovers on her tablet that someone called Lucky Duck 372 has posted a deep fake of Cathy in a porno. Gemma nips off for a shite, and Bernie quickly commandeers a tablet and puts her typing fingers to work. <coughs> Later, Gemma gives PC Tinker a hard time about the Cathy porno, but actually it's Gemma that he wants a word with, and he reckons that she knows why. He wants to buy the Cathy stills. <laughs> But no. In the time since Gemma disappeared for a shite, we're asked to believe that Bernie made some death threats to Lucky Duck. Lucky Duck reported it to the police. The police tracked down the account to Gemma and then sent PC Tinker to do some apprehending. 
Bernie yeah. pretends that she knows nothing about any of this, but Gemma is furious. So PC Tinker issues Bernie with a warning, and we're not sure if Lucky Duck gets the same for his deep fake revenge porn antics. But either way, because Bernie used Gemma's account, now she's getting abuse and it's hurting her vlog brand as followers desert her. Remember that she right, has this yes. mummy vlog thing right, that yes. they haven't talked about in forever. Right, yeah. It's still a thing. That's that's why she was there with her laptop to begin with, is because she, she was going to do her vlog from... Mm-hmm. Roy's roles and it just yeah because so apparently deep fake pornos are not are also not revenge porn is also not illegal in the UK is that what we're expected to believe because I'm pretty sure it seems as it isn't oh my god it is finally illegal here only in some states what is wrong with this world well how much time you got <laughs> there chief uh, well, according to you, I'm, I'm death's door with the COVID, <laughs> so we best hurry this up. So Yasmin catches Cathy, by the way, we still haven't mentioned Tim's mum. Yasmin catches Cathy, who's sneaking about, trying not to be noticed. Yasmin wants them to try to get together tonight, but Cathy thinks that that'll only put Yasmin in the firing line. She needs to get away, give people a chance to forget, and to get their livelihoods back up and running. Away. She mm. wants to get away. I can't get to the chorus. Why can't I get to the chorus? I think we're singing two different songs. Minutes later, she's packed and ready to leave, just as Brian pulls up in his car. You're a lovely man, she says, but it's better that I go quietly. And he lets her go, and then we get a weird shot from round a wall like someone is watching the seal unfold. Brian is so upset by this, he goes straight to speed dial for dinner. He tells Jasmine how worried he is about Cathy and how spicy is the biryani. Also, he loves Cathy. Jasmine looks like she has something to say, but keeps mum Yes. for now. The secret is revealed when Yasmin gets home and Cathy's there with Tim's mum. She's hiding out there until all this blows over. Cathy, that is. Tim's mum is worried that Cathy has taken all this too seriously, but then goes to put the kettle on. And privately, Tim's mum asks if Yasmin is sure this is a good idea, as it puts everyone in the house in danger. Right. Well, because Cathy convinces her that she is taking this seriously because she mentions the wreath and the brick and all that stuff. The fact that the police have done nothing because they are useless because they keep just sending PC Tinker out. I know. <sighs> Which makes what happens later even more outrageous. I don't even get me started. <laughs> On Friday. Let's get it started. <laughs> Sorry. My baby don't miss you really because she knows she should. On Friday, Kathy is <gasps> hogging the bathroom washing her tights. It maintains a sturdy elasticity and gusset, she says. Tim's mum has a pelvic floor like a 20-year-old, she announces. Because of her kegels. And then privately, Tim's mum tries to get Yasmin to talk Cathy into going back to Brian. But Yasmin's plan is to follow her friend's wishes. Tim's mum goes round to the cabin and Brian has just heard that Cathy isn't with her sister in Scotland. So frantic, Brian is about to call the police. And so Tim's mum takes this as her opportunity to spill spill the beans. Yes. So, of course, Brian stomps round to Yasmin to confront Cathy. He's been worried sick. Just come home. 
It's not that simple, says Cathy, who really wanted to get 24 hours of peace at last. <laughs> this is for the best, to avoid the trolling, and she doesn't need saved by him. So bolt, you muppet. And that's as far as we get with Tim's mum about the house this week. Hey, with special guest appearance by Kathy. There we go. So, I still wanted more from this whole trolling storyline than we're getting. I... I, I I think it's interest. I think it's a little interesting that we're we're getting the fact that because this is this is a problem that police really don't know what to do with it. Correct. You know, and it's taken a long time for them to take stuff like this seriously. In fact, it kind of took an insurrection <laughs> organized online right. for them to take a lot of a lot more of this stuff seriously than than they have been. So, um, so I guess that's interesting. However, it makes it less interesting that the face of the police is Craig. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I don't know. You just, you don't take him seriously. Well, you don't take him seriously because he's incompetent. Well, Yes. And also the fact that nobody says, well, wait a second, somebody threw a brick through our window. Mm-hmm. Can't you can't you find out who did that? And Kathy actually did receive a death threat with this funeral wreath. And presumably to get the insurance on the broken window, a police report is going to have to be filed. So there's going to be some paperwork somewhere right. that we can marry all this up to. Right. It's like a sustained campaign of terror. Right. Uh, no. No. It's not interested. It's Hoffy Toddles. Yeah. Substitute Sean for Kathy and substitute homelessness for trolling. And, you know, we're, we're at this point where everything has gone wrong for Kathy, just like we had everything going wrong for Sean. And it, it builds up and it builds up and it feels... It feels like the escalation out of control of... Vlog followers abandoning Gemma because right. of this is is ridiculous. Yeah, it because I mean, not that that's the <laughs> only thing that I have a problem with in this story, right? Because how how did that how did that even happen? Because it's 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 like this whole storyline was written by people who don't really understand social media or the internet. It's like it was written by Congress. You know, because the because like like you said, the whole fact that apparently Lucky Duck whatever was able to who may not even live in the area has made this deep fake of Kathy Bernie sends him death threats mm-hmm. and he just he happens to know which police to call even to say oh these death threats have been made and because it's the internet because these have been made on the internet wouldn't it be like a more federal presence as opposed to the local police of course you're going down this path again about some federal government thing that right isn't a thing the the british fbi whatever that is the federal bureau of investigation of the united kingdom which doesn't exist which should 
But anyway, wouldn't that be like MI6 or is that the CIA? Isn't there an MI something? There's got to be an MI yeah, something. MI5 is military intelligence, I think. So it's probably anyway, the closest, but it doesn't. It, anyway, it's not a thing. Regard, regardless, the fact that all of this, that this, you know, death threat was reported and PC Tinker was sent out so swiftly mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. The fact that Gemma's vlog followers would be leaving when I'm assuming the vlog followers didn't go and see this deep fake porno and see the the actual death threats and you know start leaving because of that that it, it doesn't make sense because that would be on two different platforms yeah the, the whole cause and effect of this doesn't really no none drive of very yeah. well and the fact that, and even the fact that people would be trolling kathy this this late in the day i mean the internet moves fast. This was like three weeks ago. This started, right. was it? Yeah, I mean, take for example the uh, cinnamon toast crunch shrimp tails guy. <laughs> you know, he was milkshake ducked three <laughs> weeks ago, and nobody talks about him anymore. And that was three weeks ago because nobody understands the a- verbs that you're using here. <laughs> you're the only one who doesn't understand. You know. Things move on. The Suez Canal ship. Oh yeah, that's nobody not a talks thing about that anymore. Yeah, that's not a thing. You know, it'd be like me uh, posting another Bernie sitting on a bench. You know what this about. reminds me of? This reminds me of all those times in Fraser where he would just randomly meet people on the street and they'd say, "Oh, you're Fraser Crane from the public." Radio show. Because everyone in Seattle listens to that show. Because everybody in Seattle listens to that show. We're led to believe everyone in Seattle listens to... Yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> Fraser Crane. and can recognize his voice. That's a... It, this, yeah. Unless it's just Tracy sitting and making all of this stuff herself. Oh. <laughs> she's Lucky Duck? I was trying to wonder who Lucky Duck could be. Like, yeah. Like, who, who even thinks... To do that to poor Kathy. Yeah. Oh, this woman said a horrible thing. I'm going to make a deep fake porno. Yeah, this woman said a horrible thing that I don't really care about and wasn't that horrible to start with. Right. There's that too. You know, all she's, you know, it was just, I wonder where the money's going. That's all that was said. Yeah, this could have gone in a completely different direction. I, I think I'd have been more into if she had actually had some kind of trolling aspect right. of her personality right that she was kind of hiding from everyone yeah and, but if she it was just been started one, building up that would have been interesting right. if she had doubled down on it as and much insisted. as i love kathy yeah I'd have, I'd have quite liked to see that right our next storyline today is are you tyrone some tonight oh god have we <clears> call, is that what we're calling it now yeah. on tuesday bar this week <laughs> At the garage, Abby is pestering Kev for first dance suggestions. He seems happy to let her decide, but she wants his input or she'll go with elbows, grounds for divorce. <laughs> Tyrone that is late funny. getting to the garage with coffees because he was avoiding Alina who is standing outside the factory beating a dusty carpet or something. Predictably, I wasn't paying attention. Abby thinks he needs to grow up here because this isn't easy for anyone, especially the viewer. And later, Tyrone's not finding it any easier. The car he's working on is Alina's favourite colour. The guy in front of him at the shop was buying Alina's favourite flavour of crisps. And at what point did they talk about, oh, by the way, I'm pickled onion all the way. What's my favourite kind? 
of chips? I can tell you. <laughs> Dill pickle, maybe? Sour cream and onion. Is it? Yeah. I don't see you eating chips that often. Here's the salt and vinegar. Mm. I'm actually the wavy ready salted at the moment. Anyway. Still, it's something with salt on it. Extra salt. <laughs> salt all the way. Abby tells Kev to take Ty to the pub, basically to get rid of him because this honking patter is fucking terminal. <laughs> so they're in the pub nursing a couple of shandies when Maria comes in and immediately starts leaning to Tyrone, calling him a disgrace, casting up that Fizz is at home doing the ironing while he's in here getting lashed. But Kev isn't for standing for this. We've all made mistakes, he says, like that time you did the dirty on your mate with Aiden, or the times that you cheated on Tyrone yourself, you fucking hypocrite. And Maria realises that she should have kept her mouth shut and quickly leaves. Yeah, and good you know, as much as I hate this storyline, mm-hmm. as much as I hate Tyrone and Alina, mm-hmm. good for Kev. Yeah. <laughs> because I complained about this last week, that how hypocritical practically everybody on the street is being about the storyline. Because mm-hmm. it's one kiss. Right. When they've all done much worse things. Right. And if they had just let it go and said, well, it was only a kiss, none of the rest of this stuff would have happened. <laughs> they've practically pushed these two people together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how Kev has been either checking out Maria's Wikipedia page like you did, or (laughs) the archivist has been writing these lines this week. Back at the garage, Seb is trying to write a poem for Nina and isn't helped when Abby offers up a rhyme for Nina is Alina. (laughs) Back home, uh, back home Ty and Kev, Tyrone has taken Maria's words to heart. He should be thinking about Fizz and the kids and all he can think about is Alina. He really is a disgrace, he says. He really is. On Wednesday, Tyrone sees Alina walk by the garage with that Lucas guy. And everyone seems to think that this means that she's moved on and is now boffing Lucas. Abby, though, has had enough of Tyrone's bleating and declares the garage an Alina-free zone. Which really means it's a Ty's problem-free zone. Right. She wants rid of him. She wants her house back before they come back from their honeymoon. And Kev is not looking forward to being the one to tell him this. Meanwhile, at home, Hope doesn't understand why Daddy left. Why isn't he here? Well, as we explained last week. Right, yeah. Later, Roy comes round because reasons and Fizz fills him in. But not like that. She reads from Hope's homework book, where she's written as if she really did go on that caravan holiday. Fizz doesn't know if she has the strength to help the girls through this, but Roy says that Fizz is strong, strong like bull, and they will get through (laughs) this. They are not alone. Right. And Tyrone is pretty pathetic when he stops leaning on the street and quizzes her about Lucas. He sounds about five when he does this. He seriously does. She says there's nothing going on with her and Lucas, so he immediately wants to know if he's still in with a chance for her himself. She tells him to meet her at the flat later. So Roy goes round to see Tyrone now and explains that the girls are confused since he's left and they don't think that he loves them anymore. He knows Ty has always been a good father and there's an unspoken instance that he will do the right thing. Yeah, there seems to be this un, un, unsaid thing that, you know, whereas when Ty left, he asked, you know, can I call the girls tonight and everything? And so we thought, okay, this is going to be fine. But then he didn't. Mm. And he just hasn't been in communication with them since he's left. that's what's happened? Yeah. Okay, because I don't think that's really been all that clear. Well, he says later to to Fizz, you know, that he got scared or something and that's why he hasn't called them. So he goes home and Fizz admits that the girls are far from fine. They think that they're never going to see him again and she shows him that uh, Hope caravan holiday homework that's enough to make mm-hmm. Fizz ask him to move back in 
but no hole. Also, Ruby is winning the bet. Right. He realizes that it'll be replacing a plaster they've just ripped off, but she thinks if he stays while he finds somebody else to live, it'll give them time to get used to it or something. Mm. So Tyrone goes I think and breaks. Tyrone's right. Yeah, me too. This is not a good idea. He absolutely should not be moving back in. Tyrone, yeah, all he needs to do is have a better relationship with the girls. Right, yeah. Remember to call them mm-hmm. every day. There's an awful lot of weight has been put on this caravan holiday homework. Hmm. Tyrone goes and breaks this news to Alina, tells her about the couple of sentences Hope wrote about an imaginary caravan holiday. And understandably, Alina isn't moved and tells him to leave. But he's not for doing that until he makes her understand. Not only has Hope been writing stories about caravan holidays, but Ruby's pissed to bed too. But apart from that, all he can think about is Alina. He's sick of doing what's right. Uh, now he wants to do what's Romanian. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. And she decides to give him a help with that. Right. It... <laughs> I forgot yeah, about he, that. I forgot. He wants to do what's Romanian. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Well, of course you know what I mean. <laughs> Meanwhile, Maria goes around to see Fizz with a bottle of wine. She's furious about how this has played out. She expected more from Ty. This isn't on. Fizz, though, is being practical. Maria calls it low maintenance. And so Which I'll, is fine. It's fine to be low maintenance, Maria. Stop sticking your nose in this. Especially when she has such bad opinions. Seriously. After he's got his hole, he promises to get started on the flat hunting and he'll prove to Alina that she oh. can trust him. And after he gets his hole for the second time, he goes round to tell Kev and Abby that he's moving back into number nine and Kev is relieved it doesn't have to be the bad guy by telling Ty to get to fuck. And when Ty gets home, Hope has made biscuits and a welcome home sign which ah, this is just wrong this is just mm-hmm. so wrong yeah Tyrone is worried that this is going to give the wrong impression but Fizz is happy to go along with this until Tyrone finds a place with a bedroom for the girls to stay and Ty looks like he hasn't thought about that right yeah <laughs> that's the whole reason why you know because he can't exactly this is why it's good that they decided not to split the girls up because can you imagine him dragging Ruby around right. to sleep on people's couches while yeah. he finds a place of his own. He'd be living the islands before the week's out. <laughs> Ty looks like he hasn't thought about that. We might remember we used to like each other, Fizz says. And then he gets a text from Alina thanking him for the hole earlier. On Friday, Ty is right. on the couch. Such a cringy like. Today was exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ty's on the couch having God, a dream about... This whole thing is just so cringy. Ty's on the couch having a dream about being a baddie and watership down. <laughs> Which I love. Fizz wakes him up and immediately starts nipping his ear about being tense in front of Hope and Ruby and how it's not on. Tyrone has barely said two words at this point. Fizz thinks that they need a long-term solution to this and Ty slumps off, scratching his ring. Later, Fizz calls Tyrone to an emergency meeting at the bistro. She's decided to sign them up for a therapy session with Toya Mm. and Tyrone isn't sure that he wants that. Tough, says Fizz, this isn't about what you want, it's about what I want. If we're going to move forward, we really need help. Right. And the session is... Right here, right now. Right. That took me by surprise as well. When they said we're going to have a session with Toya, I was imagining that they, I don't know, maybe go to Toya's house. Right. But no, we're doing it in public. Right. And because they're doing it in public, Bernie's sitting behind them. Right, which (laughs) was funny initially, but then it just, it started to really get on my nerves. Toy and Fizz get the hump because Bernie is there with a coupon and is listening and, and reading the menu aloud. But if you have... To have a counselling session in a public place, what do you expect? Ty's still struggling and doesn't think Toya is a real therapist. Toya's like, I'm a real therapist. Yeah, and Bernie says the same thing. 
And then Bernie sums up the situation, telling everyone that this midlife Muppet got his knickers in a knot over a Euro tart. Her granny, Cumberbatch, saw a lot of this uh, in her no family during the war. The novelty of the unknown, Ty doesn't know. Then Bernie has a go about the term mental health. It's just life, she summarises. And Toya gets an urgent text that she just made up from the factory and abandons them at the bistro. Maybe we'll do this on our own next time, says Fizz. Yeah, they were kind of going for... We decided that we're trying to inject comedy into this storyline at this right, point. Right, yeah. And it just, it, it really kind of fell flat because the comedy was like mocking Toya and people with mental health problems. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's landing well. Yeah, especially coming from somebody like Bernie, who's, whose son just went through, you know dealing with mental health issues related to the abuse that he went through. Mm -hmm. Come on now. This is just lazy writing. Which is a shame because it's in a Friday episode where I felt that the writing was rather splendid. But this part of it just fell flat for me. Yeah. Back home, Fizz is summarising the day while Tyrone plays with his phone. And when she goes to go and get the washing in, he calls Alina and goes to take the call upstairs. Bum chicka bow wow. <laughs> Having a wank. But yeah, well, phone sex because he's on the phone with Alina mm-hmm. taking it upstairs. Yeah. So it's not, it's it's more than just a wank. It's what are you doing? <laughs> Having a wank. What are you doing? Hmm. Having a wank. <laughs> well, that's not oh, a coincidence. Flipping the bean. Oh. <laughs> so that's as far as we get with that this week. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm less and less interested in Fizz and Tyrone getting back together. I I don't think it should become a thing. No, I don't think they should get back together. I'm I'm uncomfortable with him and Alina moving forward. I, I, you know the the off screen sex just made me a little cringe. Because mm. you don't think about the age difference until you're kind of forced to think about the age difference you know like with the whole kev and abby thing we're like oh yeah this would be really cute if they got together and then when they got together we were kind of like Ooh. <laughs> I remember. Ooh. that's what i thought you said <laughs> i mean we've kind of gotten used to it now but you know kev and abby getting together didn't break up a family or a relationship no. and abby is her own person and you know, if Kevin and Abby got together back when Abby was still was like 10 years younger and just getting off of the hard stuff and everything and was still rather vulnerable, I don't think we would be as accepting of it. And so for Alina to have bounced from Seb to that one unfortunate afternoon with David mm-hmm. back to Seb. She didn't get her hole with David. Yeah. She got close, though. Close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then back to Seb and then to nothing. And now Tyrone. And all of this has happened. She's she's bounced. She's been doing all this bouncing without really having the time to kind of get a hold of herself and everything after being trafficked. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Back to a place where she shouldn't have come back to. Right. Absolutely. 
but where there was, I guess, a lack of young women on the show, so they kind of had to bring her back. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really make sense because there aren't an awful lot of young men who aren't gay on the show. <laughs> so so then she's forced to start breaking up marriages. And I'm not sure she's that person. No. Not that we know an incredible amount about her. but It's true. And, and she, she kept saying over and over again, I'm not this person. And last week she said, yeah, this relationship's not going to work out. I don't want to see you. She seemed to be a person where family was important. She kept on talking about her brother back home and a right. dog back home and yeah and all that sort of stuff and it kind of suggested that she had a bit of a family ethic where right this is kind of paramount to her and right and it, it appears that it's not and she and also especially when it's when it's doing the dirty on fizz and a couple right. of young girls who are by all accounts have been mm-hmm. more than pleasant to her and welcoming right. absolutely to then do that and just ignore all that 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 happened right just because you checked out his arse a couple of times and told him what crisps you like <laughs> I don't know, it's still asking an awful lot for the viewer to believe this yeah I, and I'm not sure I'm enjoying the way that, that Fizz is now becoming a kind of harpy and and manipulative and and, and now Ty can't can't, he can't wake up without being told that he's right. He's hurting the girls. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. It's like wait a second. Now we're making we're making Fizz that we're we're being manipulated into thinking Fizz is a bad guy here, and of course Tyrone has left because who could live with right someone like this? And that's not Fizz either. Yeah, I'm mm. really not comfortable with this storyline. Well, I want it move, to go away. Let's move on to the next one then, which is Band on the Run on Tuesday. Michael was at home. There were bits of this I really like. Oh well, there's one bit that I really like. <laughs> Just glanced down a couple, same of, couple of paragraphs away. Probably the same one. We'll, we'll get there in forty-five seconds. Michael is at home, nervously waiting for the mail to arrive and to get Ed out of the way. He had, he calls his dad a fat bastard and tells him to go for a walk. Ed checks his punch and leaves. And as soon as Ed leaves, Ronnie comes in and wants to know if the results have come through yet. Ed Michael is sends very him packing, easy to convince. <laughs> promising to let him know as soon as he hears. And later, James turns up for his 40 seconds of allocated weekly screen time and he finds out that Michael is waiting for the DNA test and Ed and Aggie know nothing about it. He thinks Michael has had a head injury. Ed is their dad. End off, says James. And the results have arrived, but Michael can't bring himself to open it. James can't be bothered with with this melodrama. Give it here, I'll fucking open it, he says. And James, he decides to milk it a little bit. (laughs) You're not going to like this, he says. Oh, no, it's Ronnie, he says. Nope. (laughs) Ken Barlow. (laughs) I love that. I loved it too. That was hilarious. And Michael is so confused for a second, but then is relieved that he's Ed's son after all. But James says that he didn't need a piece of paper to prove that. Michael still blames Aggie, but at least it's all sorted now. And later, Michael comes clean with Ed, tells him about the DNA test and the result. But for Ed, it feels like he and Ronnie were sneaking behind his back, which they absolutely were. And that Michael didn't want Ed to be his dad, which is less true, I think. No. Then Ronnie comes back to find out the news. Ed gives him the DNA results. Ronnie pretends to be glad about the results. And now we can put all this behind us. No fucking chance, no, I said. yeah. You tried to steal my kid and my grandkid. You're no longer a brother of mine. And Ronnie says that he still loves Ed, and then he leaves. GTF. 
On Wednesday, it's early morning and Ed comes home in a foul mood, claiming to have spent the night at the builder's yard with tons of paperwork to get through. Michael, who had been trying to get a hold of him, but who hadn't thought of trying to nip round to the builder's yard, had right. slept on the living room couch with worry and isn't sure he believes that was all that was wrong. And sure enough, when Michael walks by the builder's yard later and speaks with Seb, he learns that he, Ed and Paul were up to all hours playing cards, and Ed wrung them both dry. So at home, Michael confronts Ed about this, but Ed isn't ready to take any lecture from Michael. And the reason Ed stayed away was, it's too painful to be under the same roof as you right now, he says. Hmm. And so he fucks off to speed dial, where he's tracked down by Ronnie, who's heard about him going back to gambling. God, this news tra- travels so quickly. Why would Michael call Ronnie about this? Mm-hmm. Why? When when Michael's not exactly happy with Ronnie either, why would he do that? Ronnie is now the dawn of family life as he warns his brother that he's going the right way about losing his wife and his kids. Look what they did to my boy. <laughs> that was a passable Ed impression. Now if only you can do that laugh without moving your face. Which comes up later. That was Ronnie. Oh, he's the dawn, you know. Yeah, he's, he's more the, like Ed. He's, it was, it was. was your Jimmy Godfather, <laughs> Marlon Brando. Meanwhile, Hi. at home, James has heard from phone Aggie. Ed's taken a grand out of their savings account, so he and Michael decide to go around all the bookies in the casino in the area to track him down. But their search is fruitless, and they're telling Fonagi this when Ed comes in, shocked to find that everyone thinks that he splashed a grand on gambling. Come with me, he says with that laugh where his face doesn't if move. If you want to live. And outside, he's bought a battered old VW Jesus camper van. This is a dream that he and Fonagi have shared for years. He and the boys are going to pimp it up, and Fonagi can't wait to get home. Yay! And that kind of feels like a full stop at that storyline. Yes, yes. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. So, was this a storyline that managed to happen without bringing any other character on the street into it? Except for Seb and Paul. Who are mentioned by name. Although Seb was in it very briefly in that one scene. And Paul has been in it because, remember, Paul was in the yard when Ed and Ronnie were yelling at each other. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But was there any ever was there ever going to be any 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 danger that Ronnie was going to be Michael's dad? <laughs> but the kind of downside of this is now what are we going to do with Ronnie? Exactly, what's the point of Ronnie now? And and what what about all this stuff with his wife? Are we ever going to find out why they split up? What's going on there, and why she's so afraid of Aggie? Doesn't look like it. And why he's hidden his wife from the family for all these years? Is he still staying at the Rovers? I guess I think he is. He's still staying at the Rovers. Uh, <laughs> it's like they've introduced this stuff and kind of left us hanging. Of course, we're complaining about it. Maybe we will get some resolution for this stuff. But, but see, we'll they're see. doing this, and I'll, I do like the long game story arcs. You know, the whole Tim's dad thing, how that's been going mm-hmm. on for years. and Right. And as much as we complain about the roof thing, you know, it's still lingering on. It hasn't right, come to a yeah. conclusion yet. And you, but they do these things where they... they Rick the chin. With, still right, dead somewhere. They wait weeks before there's a payoff to... If there is going to be a payoff, of Ronnie's wife showing up. Right. That poor actress came in for, like, what, a couple a of scenes? <laughs> right. Never to be seen again? Where's and, Carol? And also... <laughs> and also... 
Once again, they solved racism in one episode. That infuriates me. It really does. Especially... Stop doing it. Yeah. And then waiting five months and then doing it again a little bit. And right. And nothing happens. Right. If yeah. you're going to do this, do it properly. Right. And make it Craig. <laughs> Talking of which, our next storyline today is Good Cop, Craig. <laughs> On Friday, at Sally's, Craig comes running down the stairs of Discovery and discovers that Sally and Tim are having breakfast and he runs out the door. Sally has never seen him move so fast. And then Faye comes down the stairs of Discovery and discovers that Sally and Tim have plans for her last day of freedom, which involves Roy's rolls and an orangery. Faye has plans with Craig, though, once he's done with a meeting with his boss. She worries about how long her sentence might be, so she wants to spend as much time as possible with Craig. Why? And later, while Sally's talking about crafting, Tim is worried about Faye's sentencing and how he can work Ray Weinstein's plea hearing into the conversation without it seeming like exposition. Because if Ray pleads guilty, Faye will probably get a lenient sentence. Yeah, we knew that already. Yeah, that's, but he can't, so he just says it. So on the last day of freedom, Craig takes Faye to speed dial, where they bump into Jess, one of Craig's workmates, who congratulates Craig on getting an attachment with the CID, Detective Constable Tinker. I'm sorry, what? No, not you. <laughs> this makes no sense. What? Why? Craig's getting fast-tracked? No. Christy P pointed out that, well, he's the only cop in Weatherfield, so they have to promote someday, I guess. I was like, even so, really? <laughs> they need beat cops more than they need detectives. They've got plenty of detectives. I mean, every time something happens, there's they a get new a one. new one. So there's plenty. <laughs> oh, it would so be nice if, like, it would just be the same two every time. How can we make this... Even less realistic. Right. Craig is now the king of Spain? How did that happen? It's as believable. It's just another just another white cis dude. Cis straight dude. Straight in quotation marks. Just getting a leg up for no reason other than he's a white straight dude. <sighs> Faye goes for a shite, which makes Jess start questioning Craig as to whether he and Faye are an item, because she thinks that he needs to declare this because Faye is a criminal, and failure to disclose this could really fuck up his career. So later, Faye oh, heads fingers home, crossed. so Craig tells Kirk his news, but it could all be scuppered before it starts. Craig isn't sure that they let you be a copper if your girlfriend is in jail. Maybe that's something that a copper should know. Later, during an argument about a potato salad with peas in it, Craig comes <laughs> down to tell Faye and Tim that Ray Weinstein has pled not guilty, so it's going to go to trial. Faye runs to the metaphorical community garden with Craig in hot pursuit, and now Tim reckons that all bets are off at the sentencing. And Faye says pretty much the same to Craig, who tells her that life is the name of the game, and he wants to play the game with her. Ugh. He'll be with her every step of the way. Ugh. Stay with me tonight, she says. And Craig comes in his pants. Or he doesn't. Be- <laughs> and his penis lays flatulent in his pants. Flatulent? <laughs> Flaccid. Little, little farting bobby. <laughs> oh, that's just quite the most disgusting thing I've ever thought of. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week. I, mean, I hate everything about this. Hey. There's a fact that nobody says, wait a minute, how? Why? What have you done? 
right? You you break more protocol people, at every opportunity. More people questioned when they got promoted by Ray Weinstein. <laughs> he was one of them. <laughs> he was one of them who said, oh, well, there must be something else going on because right. let's face it, you're not that good at your job. That's basically what and he yet, said to her. And yet when he gets promoted for no reason, yeah, yeah, of course I deserve this. He breaks protocol at All every opportunity. Time. He tells people things that are um, that they shouldn't be privy to about ongoing cases. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Our next story, our penultimate story, is the Gossi's curse. On the Friday, what? Who now? Sebs and Roy's rolls to oh. ask out Nina tomorrow night, but she has plans to go see Lagosi's Curse, which I think we're, under, we're to understand are a gothic rock band. She's going with a gang of friends that we know nothing about. Seb thinks it all sounds like a top night, but he doesn't get an invite, and that rhymes, all right? Sure. Congratulations on your poem, by the way. That was good news <laughs> that we've got this week. Grumpy, Seb goes to complain to Abby that he dropped hints that he wanted to go to the gig but she didn't pick them up so she can't be that into him and he can't say anything to her because she dumped Asha for being too clingy and even though he is too clingy, he doesn't want to appear like that. Mm-hmm. Talk to her, says Abby, who's got nothing else. <laughs> so Seb goes back to Roy's Rolls and tells Nina how he likes all sorts of music. Always a great line. Yeah, I like Mozart and I like Metallica. Oh, you're so cool. I like Mozart and Metallica. Yeah, well, we, some Metallica and some Mozart. <laughs> Nina worries that he'd get his fucking head kicked in going to the gig dressed like he is. Lugosi's curse are like boys with rods of metal through their cheeks, she says. So Seb is grumpy again when he meets back up with Abby and he complains about how weird the clothes are. Then don't go! Right! It's fine not to go you, to this. You don't have to, you don't have to do everything, you don't have to like everything your girlfriend likes. You don't have to do everything your girlfriend does. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't expect your girlfriend to want to do everything that, that you, you want, don't to, want do. to do. God. But he really likes Nina, so Abby says, leave it with me. I haven't been the hero of a storyline for a while, and I have an idea. Well, two weeks. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that. It seems like a weird place to leave that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And we've kind of caught up, so this is yeah. how Friday should have ended. Right, yeah. Not like last week when right. we, we missed a Friday and it became a Monday. I mean, it wouldn't really be that hard to goth Seb up. It really wouldn't. And the, the fact of the matter is, not everybody gets dressed up like this when they no. go to concerts. No, no, they really don't. There's plenty of people at goth shows who don't, who aren't all gothed out, who aren't wearing makeup and stuff. Mm-hmm. Who just like the music. Mm-hmm. Music. You know, even Nina confesses that it's not really music. You know, pe- people go to shows for all different reasons. Right. And for all, as long as you're not wearing the band's t-shirt, you're fine. <laughs> oh, let's never talk about... Lugosi's my, curse. My Iron Maiden exploits. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. He's... As, as he acknowledges, he's going the right way to make this a short-term thing right. by being so fucking childish about it. Right, for being exactly like Asha. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I hope he doesn't go. I hope Abby's great idea is for him to not don't go. go. Here's a jigsaw and a shawl. Go hang out with Peter. <laughs> but no, we're going to see Seb wearing makeup next week. 
We're totally going to see Seb in makeup. He's got the hair for it. For makeup? For being goth. Yeah. Goths yeah. have long hair, right? Some of them do. Some of them don't. Oh, the goths in South Park didn't. Yeah, they did. He had did like they? that. He had kind of that Robert Smith kind of almost mullet sort of thing going on. The head goth in South Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not that I should be based and on the South Park. Marilyn Manson used to have long hair. It's short now, and he's also cancelled because he's an awful person. <laughs> Talking of which. <laughs> which has nothing to do with him being a goth. I know lots of really nice goths out there who are good people. Would you like a spade to dig yourself out of this any further? It's no, fine. No. I don't think you said anything controversial. Serious. Our final story. It's like today. when people make assumptions about juggalos. Juggalos, juggalos are really good people. What's a juggalo? Oh, we're doing this again. The Insane Clown Posse. Their fans are called juggalos. And None people just assume that people who like the Insane Clown Posse are bad people. But they're really not. They do fundraisers for underprivileged kids and and lots of other stuff. You cannot judge a book by its cover. I watched a documentary this week about... Uh, Danny Hernandez, Danny Six Nine Hernandez, was a uh, Hispanic rapper from Brooklyn mm-hmm. who has over two hundred tattoos of six to nine on his body, mm-hmm. including one in his face. Uh-huh. And I was halfway through that before I realised that it wasn't a parody. Our final storyline today is Peter's liver, which on, is also not a parody. <laughs> on Monday. Carla goes, sometimes it feels like it. Carla goes round to number one with Peter's breakfast, but he's already been serviced with porridge from Amy. It's his appointment today and Carla can't make it because reasons, but Daniel will be there. Carla mentions that she's handing in her notice at the factory when Peter gets a troubling text from another storyline. Back at number one, Peter forgives L- Carla for lying when it came to this whole Simon thing that we've already talked about. Uh, Simon is his, is his number one, <sighs> says a man who never even demonstrates half as much as that. This break Leanne is going on might be for the best and when Peter goes to get ready Carla's quite pleased to see Peter so full of spunk taking it as a but not like that. taking it as a sign that he's getting better. <sighs> At the hospital with Daniel Peter is nervous about his appointment and the whole Simon thing but he's looking forward to supporting his son when he gets back from that holiday that he's gone on and then Peter goes in to speak with the doctor. But for Peter it's not great news. His liver hasn't improved and it's doubtful it ever will so it's transplant time. He'll undergo an assessment, and if so, he'll make it on the list. And will Peter look after the new one? He realises if there's no transplant, it's game over. So of course he will. Yeah. Meanwhile, Steve Martin, who doesn't work at the factory, has turned up at the factory to sell (laughs) Carla her wedding ring, and he's about to open his case when David, who also doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory to speak with Nick. Steve Martin panics, and when David asks what's in the case... What's in the case? Steve Martin says, What's in the case? David asks him if his suitcase glows when it's opened like it does in Pulp Fiction. And Steve Martin says no. Okay, Royal with cheese, says David. And he leaves him to it. Right. So he knows he's a jeweler. So none of this makes sense. Because Royal is his name. No, Royal with cheese is a Pulp Fiction line. Do you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in, in oh, yeah. Paris? Or Royal, Royal with cheese. cheese, yes. But I think his name is Royal. Isn't it? I don't or think something? so. I don't know. <laughs> So anyway. I I, uh, I was I was in the cemetery this past week um, because our Girl Scout troop has been asked to count all the military graves and because they need to 
put new flag holders for them. And I found a tombstone for a man named Royal King. That's gilding the lily a little bit, isn't it? Just a wee bit. <laughs> Where did we get to? Steve Martin. So, Steve Martin heaves a sigh of relief at this. He's not used to clandestine operations like this. He shows Carly's rings with the inscription that she wanted. And I like that. And it's enough to bring a tear to her eye. The wedding we'll earn is next week. Or later on this week. Mm-hmm. Back home, Daniel thinks a referral is a good sign. And Peter agrees. Thanks, Daniel, for his help and goes out for a walk. And Simon and Peter meet up in the community garden. Peter apologises for not realising how much trouble Simon and Leanne were in and asks Simon to move in with him and Carla for a bit when he gets back. Sounds good, says Simon, who's a total bottle merchant because he was going to tell Peter that he's going away for a long time. Right. There was a lot of crossover between these storylines. Yes, there was. It's been a long day when Peter finally gets to give Carla his disappointing news. He's blaming himself and he's terrified of not being well enough or deemed to be suitable for the transplant. Carla says that she looked at her kidney as a second chance. Peter asks how de- how her day was, and she reveals that Nick begged her to stay on at the factory, and then she whips out Steve Martin's rings. She asks if he thinks his family will mind that they're going to get married in secret. Quite frankly, I don't give a fuck if they do, says Peter, mm-hmm. who's moments earlier had gone on about how Simon was his number everything. one priority. On Tuesday, Carla has been summoned to number one. Peter has got a cancellation at the liver assessment thing and he wants her to be there. Daniel is sure to say that they need to know that Peter is getting emotional support at home and Carla, of course, agrees to attend. Sarah and Adam, who are still married, pop round to see Gail, who looks awfully upset that Nick has... Ah, here we go. Okay. Nick has done a moonlight flip without saying goodbye. <laughs> where you put it. Sarah wants <laughs> to get their story straight and Adam reveals that the Barlows don't know anything yet. He suggests downplaying it and Gail is cursing the day that Nick and Leanne ever met. That has no business in this storyline. No, it really doesn't. Later, Carla's at Roy's Rolls telling Roy about Peter when a flustered Adam comes in. He's been trying to get hold of Carla but Sarah said that she wasn't at the factory. Carla said that she was in a non-business meeting. He proceeds to tell her about Nick and Simon and Leanne going into hiding in another storyline. Right. Carla doesn't want Peter finding out about this because everyone, he'll end up... Until after the meeting with the liver guy. Yeah. So Carla doesn't want Peter finding out about this because uh, he'll end up fucking off and trying to find Simon and will miss his appointment and die. Adam agrees to keep quiet about it until after the assessment, but after that, either she tells him or he will. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Daniel, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory looking to speak with Carla, but Sarah hasn't seen her and she's running her tits ragged trying to juggle everything that she has going on, but then gets a bit of breathing space when Lucas calls to cancel his meeting. And Daniel looks like he's trying to do sums in his head again. <laughs> he looks like that that lady who looks like Julia Roberts in the meme with all the numbers and stuff flashing around her head. Right. Yeah. And number one, Daniel is warning Tracy to watch her tongue. Apparently, if this panel gets a whiff that they're not one big happy family, Peter won't get the transplant. So no to- no talking about Carl and Adam. I don't think, is that how transplants work? <laughs> you oh. have to have a perfectly happy family right. all the time in order to get a transplant. That's how it works. No Those talking about rules. Carla and Adam, says Daniel. Or you and Carla, says Tracy. Yes. In comes Carla and Daniel is pissed because he couldn't get hold of her earlier and for some reason Tracy reckons that Carla's drunk. So Daniel has assumed charge of this family meeting and worries that Carla doesn't realise the weight of responsibility here. And Carla loses her shit. Who do you think you are? Just because you're dressed like Ken doesn't make you Ken and just storms off for a walk. That was hilarious. Tracy thinks that she's off for another vino and Daniel looks like he's trying to divide 1400 by 175. Which is 8 by the way. 
He finds it weird that Carla said that she had meetings and was working when she wasn't at the factory and Sarah said that she hadn't been in the factory in the meeting where Lucas had been cancelled and Tracy thought that she'd been drinking. You think she's getting her hole off of Lucas? Says an outraged Tracy. Hey, I'm just asking questions here, says Tucker Carlson. And he makes Tracy <laughs> promise not to say anything until after the meeting. Some people are saying <laughs> that Carla may be sleeping with Lucas. Not me, but some people. <laughs> and this is just an entertainment show. Carla meets up with Peter at the appointment thing. She has something to say, but he cuts her off to talk about mindfulness. This is all going to work out, Peachy, he says. <sighs> but Carla hasn't been able to hold her tongue and complains to Steve about Carla, reckoning that she's guilty because history. Tracy wouldn't be surprised if Carla was knobbing half the street. Steve urges calm. These meetings are important to Peter, but Tracy doesn't know if she can look at Carla's sanctimonious face for one second. Yeah. And during the meeting, Carla, Peter and Daniel are in person and with the assessment guy while Tracy and Steve are calling in, Adam calling in separately with no Sarah. Right. As they all try to make a good impression, Tracy starts sending barbs <laughs> to Carla and Steve keeps, on having Why? Mute- <laughs> Steve keeps on having to mute them while smiling and pretending that everything's okay. She's got no filter, our Tracy, anymore. Mm. Just no filter whatsoever between the Kathy storyline and this. Right. It's, it's like she just can't help herself. The assessor gives them a meeting to sort out their differences. What the fuck is going on, asks Peter. And this is Daniel's cue to present his flimsy evidence that Carla's having an affair. Obviously she denies it and Peter believes her, but he knows her well enough to know that something's up. So what is it? And he knows, but he knows. what's up! He knows! She's like, did you, not re- did you not remember that we're secretly trying to get married and not tell your family? So now you're going to make me tell your family that we're secretly getting married without your family. What the hell, Peter? Meanwhile, Daniel is trying to source Lucas's number to find out what's really going on because he's such <laughs> a total prick. Such an asshole. He just really needs to get laid So Carla, Daniel. So Carla is forced to admit about the wedding. And Daniel isn't sure this is a great idea, but offers his congratulations and asks if Simon knows. Not yet, says Peter. Yeah, about that, says Carla. <laughs> and she explains about Simon going into hiding with Leanne. Mm-hmm. Predictably, Peter wants to go find Simon. What kind of father would he be if he didn't? He's sick of his illness being an excuse, and Carla points out that it's not an excuse, it's a reason. And he'll be no use to Simon if he dies from liver failure, and that assessment dude's going to be back at any minute, because remember, they're still in that assessment. Right, yeah, and nothing happens. (laughs) We don't know how that turns out. Yeah. So can we all pretend, just for a couple of minutes, that we're normal? And later, Peter's had his test and is waiting on the result. Carla has found that Nick and Leanne are arranging for the flat to be emptied and sold and no one knows where they're going to be living because that's what's going into that's what going into hiding means. Right. Peter hopes that they come home soon because if he doesn't get on the transplant list, he may never see his son. I again. was really surprised that they're getting that emptied and, and sold because we were under the impression that this may not be forever. Mm-hmm. So why would you sell your house? Right. So quickly, like less than a week later. On Wednesday, Carla and Peter get back to number one. Peter hadn't slept with worry, but Carla points out that Leanne is one bad motherfucker and will make sure that that Simon's going to be okay. (laughs) She offers him an out from the wedding, a postponement if you will, but he says that he'll marry her if it's the last thing he does. Dum, dum, dum. Dum, dum, dum. Later. Tracy has come round to complain about not finding out about the secret wedding. It's selfish, she says. What about me? What about Ken? Literally what she says. What about flowers? Peter makes a noise that isn't 100% negative about the flowers, so Tracy takes this as positive and quickly leaves. 
and she comes back when Carla's there with suggestions for the flowers and when she leaves and when she leaves, Carla correctly guesses that Tracy thinks that she and Steve are invited to the wedding. So Carla meets Tracy in the rovers and tells her straight, You ain't invited. And Tracy actually takes it well and right, understands yeah. Carla's point that Peter can do without stress and guilt as he doesn't know how much longer he's got. Right. Yeah, like all of a sudden Tracy's reasonable. Yeah. For the first time at in the, two weeks. At the one point you'd think that she wouldn't be reasonable. Right. On Friday, Peter's dragging his arse down the stairs with a suit on a hook. He's looked better. Daniel doesn't know why he doesn't postpone until he's feeling better, but Peter is insistent. Come hell or high water, he's marrying Carla today. And meanwhile, Carla's in the cafe getting her hair and makeup done by herself in the actual cafe. Mm-hmm. She and Roy talk about missing Haley and how Haley worked on her last dress. Now it's Nina who's been up all night hammering away, but not like that. Carla ropes Roy into helping with her vows. She'd rather not break them this time. Later, Daniel is cheering Peter up by reminiscing about his six-week marriage to Sinead, who he calls his soulmate, just like Peter and Carla. Peter tells Daniel that he's adequate as a brother, then goes off to have a word with Carla, just to stop Daniel talking about himself. But actually goes round to Roy Rose to tell Carla that he wants Daniel to be there as his best man. Is that okay? And Carla can hardly say no, but this is going against the plan that they've been working on. Still, she pretends to be pleased about it. But while he's away, Daniel is snitching on Peter's condition to Ken over the phone. Peter comes in because and asks, of course he is. Peter comes in and asks Daniel to be best man. Daniel would love to, and then tries to talk Peter out of the wedding again. Look, just fucking give it a rest, says Peter, and go get your suit on. The good thing about Peter getting to bring Daniel is that Carla gets to ask Roy to give her away, which he is delighted to do. And we also see that Carla's dress is nice and suits her and everything, but it looks like something that's been made under a tight time constraint. And outside, it's Dan- also black, right? <laughs> Outside, Daniel is taking his best man duties super seriously by refusing to drive Peter to the wedding and instead wants to drive him to the hospital. He's He's spoken to Ken and Ken agrees. It's so aggravating. He's making things worse. Mm -hmm. Just like hurry up and get the marriage done and then go to the hospital. But he's such an all mouth and no trousers. If he really wanted to make a stand, let Peter get in the car first and then drive him to the hospital. Right. Don't give him the option when he's still standing outside of the car. Right. But Peter says, either you drive or I get a cab. The sooner we go, the sooner we get back. Because that's how weddings work. The wedding's at the hotel where Carla cheated on Peter with Adam. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Tracy has brought some... Keep it in the family. Brought some shop seconds for flowers. It's also also the same as uh, where um, Daniel and Sinead got married, isn't it? I think so. It's the same one, yeah. She tells Carla to look after Peter. They're getting their money's worth out of that set. Back at the florist, Mary is trying to lighten the mood and eat up some of the episode runtime by telling a story about a blind date, a fedora and a chimichanga. It does little to help Tracy. Do you think that blind date was with Deadpool? Deadpool? Yeah. Who famously loves chimichangas. Famously? Famously. So famously that I've never heard of that before in my life. Well, you don't really like Marvel comic books. Really? What was your first (laughs) clue on that? But you really love Ryan Reynolds. You do like the Deadpool movies. You've watched both of them. It does little to help Tracy. Peter's going to end up wed or dead, she says. He liked it when Brad Pitt died. Either way, he's going to need flowers. I thought that was quite funny. That was. Peter finally gets to the hotel. The registrar asks if they have music. Music, says Peter. Where we're going, we don't need music. (laughs) They've written their own vowels. They've They've written written their their own own vowels. Because of course they have. Carla goes first. It's kind of conversational. They've seen each other at their lowest and they've wasted so much time getting here. She hasn't really written anything. No. They've wasted so much time getting here. Not literally, because it was Peter that was late. (laughs) But this is where they were supposed to be and they knew that from the start. 
Daniel urges speed. <laughs> Marry me, you idiot, says Wrap Carla. it up. <laughs> Concise, says Peter, because Daniel is making slashy throat right, motions. Like, and come on, let's go. Peter looks like he's about to kill, and Mother Hen Daniel is desperate to ruin things and get Peter to the hospital on time. Carla tells the register <sighs> to wrap this up in ten minutes and she'll get another fiver. So she skips to the end bit and he repeats back their vows and stuff before he falls over. The registrar calls it official. Husband and wife. Good job, says Carla. Now let's get you home. Wait, what about the hospital? I thought we were going to the hospital. No, <laughs> no we're just going to go home and let you lay down. So Carla and Peter get home by taxi to rapturous applause and biodegradable confetti. But when he gets out of the cab, <laughs> he loses consciousness and totally face plants the cobbles. And that's how we end this week's episodes. <laughs> I am sorry if it makes me a bad person, but I actually laughed when he did that face plant. It was quite comical. It was. It was like, oh. It was less comical when you see them lying flat out and everyone just standing around about them. And Daniel trying to wave off a car that's Look about like ready to come and over. hit. <laughs> right. Stop. No. I enjoyed the wedding. Yeah, it was all right. Daniel kind of ruins it. Daniel does his best to ruin the whole thing, but I liked it. I liked how it was kind of unconventional and and there was no airs and graces about it, and it was kind of Carla. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't know if it was Peter, but it was Carla. Mm-hmm. They just want to get married. They yeah. don't. They don't really care about the right the day or right. the the photo album or, or anything the bells like that. And just, just and let's stuff. just get married. Yeah. And in that respect, I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. And I did kind of chuckle as well when Daniel is sitting like he's on a, a kettle making these taffy watch slashy throat motions and let's let's wrap this up we got to be out of here because uh, the shiners are coming in at 2 30 and right yeah like the the officiant because they never have why do they never use billy for any of these weddings <laughs> has billy married anybody because he's so bad <laughs> he's right there every time it's a new officiant who has an appoint has who has their next appointment at three, so they need to right. crack on. They always have something to do on the other side of town right. in a really short time frame. Right. And you know how bad traffic is this time of day. Is Peter gonna die? Yes. You think so? Yes. Next week? Who knows? He will die eventually though. Well, of course he will. <laughs> He's gonna die soon. Uh, I think he might. I think he might, because, you know, we're clearing up his addiction and stuff. He absolutely cannot drink again, ever. His liver is really bad. Right, so that's one we've, aspect of his character that we've, no longer exists. Right. Simon is gone. Mm-hmm. Probably for a while. Oh, is this the Leanne thing from last week? <laughs> or the week before? Yeah. There's nothing else for this character to do. He's he's finally, he and Carla have finally gotten married and they're kindly kind of made their peace about the fact that neither one of them are perfect, but they're soulmates. Rolling those eyes again. <laughs> because once again, this word came up, yeah. you know, because Daniel says, you guys are soulmates, just like Sinead and I were they soulmates. Were soulmates either. Right. You know who never says, you're my soulmate? their partner your soulmate nick and leanne not one of them neither one of them have ever said to the other you're my soulmate even this week 
Neither one said, you're my soulmate. It no, it's, bit, I love you. <laughs> it amused me a bit where uh, Daniel said, well, I got married to the same person twice as well. Did you? But then even he has to admit that admit only that one, one of them was legal. Because right. <laughs> the other one was conducted by Kirk dressed as a vampire. Right. Or something. Aye, aye, aye. If it was a novel, you'd probably end it here. Right. That if, if it was a novel, he he's dead. Yes. Because yeah. that's the kind of poetic... The poetic end to this is when you finally all come together right. and everything is in harmony and you've you've got to the point where the past doesn't matter you're accepting each other now for the future as as short as that may be mm-hmm. the future that you have is is nothing and it'll provide an interesting storyline for when simon does come back you know dealing with the guilt of not being here when your dad dies and right just having on top of all the guilt that he already right. feels and the guilt yeah. that, that's two way in that or relationship maybe really. this is how we get him back you know get him out of hiding even though they haven't been in hiding for very long you so can't feels- be in hiding for less than a week right <laughs> and sell your house unless, unless you're kathy <laughs> uh i don't know it 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 feels like and it's kind of been building up on this too like every week you're like oh is peter gonna die this week peter's horrible and everything and i mean are we really gonna get him a liver transplant you know how many how many more people are gonna have transplanted organs in this family right we we can't have (laughs) another successful transplant right there's got to be at some point we said well but what they don't want to do is make out that transplants are dangerous because right. it, it puts people off in real life from having them but again so you let's don't not wanna, get to that point you also don't want to make it seem like it's really easy to get a transplant if you've drunk yourself to death right and yeah i feel like we might have that this might be peter on the outs yeah it would, <laughs> i think it would be a fitting time for it to happen. Yeah. We haven't had a death in a while. It's been a while Tim's since... Tim's dad. Well, yeah, I guess. What do you mean, you guess? Is he dead? <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Does it happen this year? Or Christmas? Yeah. Well... A, a, a death that we would feel kind of sad about. Well, that's a qualifier, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, Daniel, you're just... You're so annoying again. <laughs> You're doing quite well for a little while. It was off. It's awful because, like in in the times like he's shown up in Paul's storyline and stuff, he's quite likable. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. But then you put him with his family, and he's rotten. <laughs> yeah, like he's like going he... after Carla all the time is just ridiculous. The 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 loops he had to jump through to connect to Carla to supposedly having an affair again with Lucas is just redonkulous. you got to be blaming Carla for something. Right. It can't be an episode of Corey if Carla's not getting blamed for something. Right. And that gets old. Mm-hmm. So stop it. <sighs> I enjoyed it this week. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good week. I thought yeah. it was a lot of fun, isn't it? Overall, it was a good week. Uh, and the things I was getting annoyed about, I enjoyed getting annoyed about. Mm. Like the whole Craig thing. 
No, let's not get started on that again. No. What was your moment of the week, though? Uh, Carla and Peter's wedding? I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, for once... I mean, Carla's was... vows were rubbish, but... Actually, but they were, it's good that they were rubbish. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I thought it was in keeping of it. Yeah. Roy, I don't... Roy, I think, probably wrote something that was kind of beautiful and poetic, but right. it didn't belong. Right, yeah. Because this is, isn't a perfect day. This right. is a... Let's get this done, because your bucket list right the next thing on your bucket list is to kick the bucket right so let's just get this done and i, I thought it was fitting for that and it was right we've been at our lowest but everything has brought us to this moment which is kind of true for everything but anyway mm-hmm. everything has brought us to this moment and right. it's right yeah and, and it really felt like them and that was it yeah okay that is our well that was fun nope <laughs> it was fun it was fun that's uh <laughs> moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. What is your boring moment of the week? Oh, damn it! You didn't ask me that. <laughs> I, 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 I want to give it to Daniel, but it wasn't. Really it doesn't boring. really. It doesn't really work. He's the honorary recipient of the annoying moment of the week, obviously. But well, yes. Is it uh, Seb writing a poem? <laughs> Seb's poem about Cortinas. I really liked it. I, I thought that was it. sweet. I kind of liked it. Uh, is it Tyrone? Is Ty- Tyrone and Alina finally getting their hole. <laughs> That's the cringy moment of the week. Tyrone reading Alina's text message with all the exclamation points. No, I think the boring moment of the week is uh, Hope's made up story about the caravan hole that it didn't harm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's our boring moment of the week. Mm, boring moment of the week. Let me try and get this wrapped up and edited down to under the, under the two hour mark, shall we? Yes, please. Have you ever been promoted into a role that you're neither equipped nor qualified for? Good for you. And send us a letter of recommendation. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com for email, Skype, voicemail and PayPal tips. And we're on ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. That's K-O hyphen F-I if you want to buy us a coffee. Buy me coffee. We are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please check out the other stuff page off the talkofthestreet.podbean.com or our Twitter bio for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for Whew. making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more I'll Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Cheerio. Bye.